So this episode, I'm going to be talking about what I like to call the great UFO hack. Now, you can debate as to whether or not it was actually something great. And it's nothing new as of recently, but I feel like for people who weren't aware or were too young or maybe just kind of flew over their heads at the time because of how secret the government was trying to keep it, even though it did reach the public eye a little bit, what I'm talking about is a gentleman by the name of Gary McKinnon, a British man, who was accused of hacking into 97, 97, not 9, not 9.7, 97 United States military and NASA computers over a 13-month period between February of 2001 and March 2002. Now, first off, I understand it's, you know, this is almost 20 years ago, right? Technology was not nearly as advanced as it is now, but when a guy from his girlfriend's aunt's basement in London, England, can hack into 97 U.S. military and NASA computers for just over a year, it tells you how terrible their security system must have been. Now, U.S. authorities stated that he deleted critical files from certain operating systems, which shut down the U.S. Army's military district of Washington network of about 2,000 computers for about 24 hours, give or take. And that's a big thing. I mean, if you can pull that off today, then God bless you. But I don't think it could be done today. Now, McKinnon also posted a notice on the military's website saying, quote, your security is crap. And I kind of found this part funny. And so after the September 11 attacks in 2001, he deleted weapons logs at the Earl Naval Weapons Station, rendering its network of 300 computers inoperable and essentially freezing and paralyzing munition supply deliveries for the U.S. Navy's Atlantic fleet. Again, this is one guy from his girlfriend's aunt's basement or house in London, England. At the end of the day, this is very embarrassing. I don't care if it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or 5 years ago. This is very embarrassing. Now, Gary McKinnon was also accused of copying data, uh, passwords, account files, you name it. And U.S. authorities stated that the cost of tracking and correcting the problems he caused was over 700 grand. Now, at the end of the day, 700 grand is a drop in the bucket for the government. But while not admitting that it constituted evidence of destruction... Gary McKinnon did admit leaving a threat on one computer, and that was that the U.S. foreign policy is akin to government-sponsored terrorism these days. It was not a mistake that there was a huge security stand-down on September 11th last year. I am solo. That's what he said. I will continue to disrupt at the highest levels. Now, U.S. authorities stated that McKinnon was trying to downplay his own actions. And so a senior military officer at the Pentagon told the Sunday Telegraph that U.S. policy is to fight these attacks as strongly as possible. And as a result of Mr. McKinnon's actions, we suffered serious damage. This was not some harmless incident. He did very serious and deliberate damage to military and NASA computers and left silly and anti-America messages. All the evidence was that someone was staging a very serious attack on U.S. computer systems. Now, this is the interesting part I want to get to. I just wanted to give you guys the background of what was going on here. So the key part that I want to talk about is that when Mr. McKinnon breached the security defense of NASA and U.S. military networks, again, between 2001 and 2002, 
he said he found a handful of things, photographs, documents, but there were a few things that stood out in particular to him. One of them was a document that was entitled Non-Terrestrial Officers. And what this document entailed was it had an Excel sheet. And he explained that within this Excel sheet, Microsoft Excel, it had the ranks and names of unknown individuals. Furthermore, Mr. McKinnon went on to say another sheet had tabs for material transfers between ships. Now, when he tried to search for the names of the ships, approximately 8 to 10 in total roughly, he was unable to come across anything that mentioned them, at least in public, reinforcing his assessment that these were part of a covert and non-terrestrial U.S. initiative. Now, here's the thing about this. The conspiracy behind this, or the, the proposal rather, is that the non-terrestrial officers can either be referred to as one of two things. Human officers with designated positions or employment titles that are dealing with technology not from this planet. And it goes all the way from that to, you know, there's a, a secret outer space military space program that we, we aren't even aware about. It is the most top secret, need to know, above classified thing there is. Then there's also the potential that these non-terrestrial officers may actually indeed be extraterrestrials, believe it or not. And so there is something I want to say before I kind of go on a little more, and that is that when it comes to NASA, I'm very skeptical as to whether or not they know everything. And I feel as though NASA certainly has intelligence agents planted into it. So, you know, out of 100 employees, let's say you have four or five employees that are CIA that really know what's going on, that are familiar with very top secret projects. And even they may not know everything, but they, they know more than your regular working employee at NASA. Now, that's not to say that NASA is not anything special. I'm not trying to imply that. But what I'm trying to get at here is the fact that I think there are certain projects that go on that NASA has no goddamn idea about. And I think it all pertains to space travel, science, and, and what have you, right? Now, it could be argued that NASA is sort of the, the front, if you want to call it, for the government and for the intelligence communities. And so if they want to show that they're slowly making progress, then you know, they would kind of, the intelligence communities would filter certain things through NASA so NASA can then publicly announce, hey, look, we did this, we did that, et cetera, et cetera. And it would also kind of explain a few things. It would explain why NASA gets very little funding. And you could say that's political. I mean, I think to a certain extent it is, but I think there's much more to it than meets the eye there. And I think that ultimately, you know, when people say, when Kennedy was president, 10% of the GDP went into space travel. I say this, that was a different time period, a different time frame. Uh, things were just very different. The president knew more back then. And whereas nowadays the president's more of a placeholder position or a placeholder employee, if you want to call it. And so it seems as though Gary McKinnon hacked into something that I don't think was particularly extremely classified, but it was enough for NASA to say, you know what, we're going to store this on our computer and it'll be fine. With that being said, I think that he touched on something that you would not be able to get a hold of today, right? And so 
Gary McKinnon stated that he was able to access these top secret documents through a program called LandSearch, which after having gained control over the domain of the computers and the network, he had the ability to search all the files and folders on every single machine. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, the same way that Edward Snowden didn't find much on extraterrestrials. He only found certain implicative documents that sort of implied things but didn't explicitly say so. I think when you're containing a secret as classified as this one, it's not going to be on a NASA hard drive or a NASA network. And Gary McKinnon's whole purpose initially was to be able to or, or want to hack into these systems for the sake of trying to reveal the existence of extraterrestrials and advanced technology and sort of free energy because he felt that every single human in the world had the right to, to be aware of these things. And, you know, that's, I guess you could say that's a different conversation entirely. I somewhat agree. But at the same time, I think that what Mr. McKinnon did just, go, just went to show that NASA, I think, is, is full of crap most of the time. I mean, there was a case, for example, when a UFO was hovering directly above a, an airport. I forgot where. I think it was somewhere in America. Someone, a handful of people, took very clear and concise photos. I believe this was maybe five or six years ago. They then sent it to NASA and said, what do you think? NASA then took the original image, went to the guy's house that took the original image, you know, deleted everything and erased all evidence of him being able to have it. And then NASA then made a public statement saying, well, we don't see anything. All we see is just the sky. Like, that's a bunch of horse crap. I think that when it comes to NASA, I think there are certain things that are above even NASA's pay grade. Like I said, now I'm not trying to propose that NASA is some ultimate top secret conspiratorial type organization, but I think that NASA is an institution like many others, which is that they know a little bit, but they don't know the full extent of it because not all of their employees are in on you know, certain things and not of all, all of their employees are familiar with the agendas of those within the CIA and the Pentagon and the Air Force and what have you, right? And so I think that this gentleman, Gary McKinnon, did the absolute best that he could with the resources he had, but I think he was kind of looking in the wrong places, if you want to know my opinion. I think a lot of others would agree with me in that sense. But again, almost 20 years ago, no one, not as many people were as awake or as familiar as we are now with institutions and intelligence agencies actually knowing more than NASA or the White House or anything of the sort. And so I think ultimately... Even though Mr. McKinnon is accused of serious crimes, and I think as of lately what's been going on with him is that he's been legally toppling back and forth with what he did almost 20 years back, even though he's still free right now. There's, there's not much to, to, to be said other than the fact that he, I think, even barely scratched the surface. And another thing he mentioned was that when he got caught... He was in the middle of extracting photographs, HD, well, what they would consider HD at the time, HD photographs of cigar-shaped UFOs and disc-shaped UFOs. 
And one thing that all of these UFOs have in common is that they all resemble that of those who have supposedly worked on them and have later come out and spoken to the public and described the way that they look. So there seems to be this sort of consistent reoccurring theme with similar UFO craft and ship. And along with that, it seems as though NASA is not only aware of it, but based on the hack that Gary McKinnon did, which to date I think is not not just a, a, a massive UFO hack, if you want to call it, but a massive military hack, it, it, it just shows how much they're keeping from us. Now, yes, you can argue that this was almost 20 years ago. Things have changed. Now, I'm sure it's not nearly as easy to hack into these systems. But at the end of the day, it's not about what did Gary McKinnon do. What he did was he kind of started very early on before a lot of people knew. He started the sort of revolution, if you want to call it, of people wanting to be more aware and more awakened to what was really going on. He was ahead of his time in that regard, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it, which is why I'm doing this episode. And so, even though his computers were seized by the authorities and a lot of shady stuff was happening to him, he was getting calls overnight, just like many of these so-called UFO leakers or former military or intelligence agents that have said things they shouldn't have. They get phone calls in the middle of the night. They go out for dinner with their wives. They come back. Their house has been broken into. It's all a mental mind game that the government is playing with their former employees in order to kind of scare them and spook them to pretty much say, shut the hell up. Because I think nowadays, to have someone like Gary McKinnon murdered or to have any of these, like someone like Bob Lazar murdered or somebody like a former Pentagon or U.S. Navy pilot who has witnessed a lot and has publicly said too much, to have these people murdered is still incredibly possible, but I think it raises more eyebrows nowadays than it did before. So as much as I'd like to elaborate on what Gary McKinnon did, I've pretty much summed up what what the hack was. And the thing is, too, is that supposedly there's much more to it, but there was supposedly a deal made in which Gary McKinnon would not be extradited or sentenced in order for him to keep his, in exchange for him being able to keep his mouth shut. And so it wouldn't surprise me because at the end of the day, I think that he may have seen more I've spoken to some people who, through secondhand, know him personally and said that he saw more. And I want to be very careful with how I say that on on this episode because I don't want to get anyone in danger. I don't want to accuse Mr. McKinnon of seeing more than what he really saw. But I think that ultimately it's very possible that he saw more than he has publicly stated. So I encourage you guys to do your own research into this. And let me know what you guys think, because ultimately I would consider this the greatest UFO hack to date. Since then, I don't think anyone has been able to to hack a system like he has. And if they have, then they've either been sent right to jail and silenced. They've either been murdered or they've either been hired by the same intelligence agencies that they hacked into to work for them. Right. What better way? Like why hire? I mean, why murder or throw a talented computer hacker into jail when you throw him a bunch of money say come work for us so ultimately let me know what you guys think and we will catch you next time thank you